Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the March 10th, 2023 Friday reading of the Ark Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. Today we will be reading the following main articles. Colorado River Basin states agree to pause water releases from Flaming Gorge Reservoir, written by Jan Wundra. Colorado Legislature advances red flag law and gun bills out of committee, also written by Jan Wundra. Out of Space, Chafee County requests relocation of District Attorney's Office, written by Jan Wundra. And Salida City Council approves inclusionary housing plan for 505 Oak Street, written by Elliot Jackson. And HRRMC tax refund checks mailed, but questions remain, written by Daniel Smith. And following up with miscellaneous articles. We begin with the first article, Colorado River Basin States Agree to Pause Water Releases from Flaming Gorge Reservoir. This posted by Jan Wundra. Water in the West. In a surprise announcement, the seven Colorado River Basin states have actually agreed on something. Based on a decision by the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation, all seven states have agreed that releases from Flaming Gorge Reservoir into the river can be paused to allow for more snowpack to replenish the reservoir. Flaming Gorge has been tapped for the past two years to provide water to help protect water levels in Lake Powell to ensure its hydroelectric power capacity. But, starting Tuesday, the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation will suspend extra water releases, at least for the time being. High snowpack across the basin and unusually massive snowfall in California has served as a backdrop to the announcement on Tuesday. Snowpack in the upper Colorado River Basin is 120 to 140 percent of normal. In Arizona, a winter of rain has the Arizona state climatologist reporting that 2023 now ranks in the top five years for water it should get from the snowpack. Paul Miller, a hydrologist at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's Colorado Basin River Forecast Center, talking with CNN, said that this is good news. We're well ahead of where we need to be from a snowpack perspective. We're very optimistic right now that we're in a good spot. This year is a good year to try and save water, to try to conserve water as best as we can. We have a lot of space in our reservoirs. Located in the far northeast portion of Utah, Flaming Gorge is one of the feeder reservoirs from the Colorado River Basin. The news of the pause is good news for the region, as Flaming Gorge is a designated national recreation area. But the pause comes as a counter to this. In late February, Lake Powell sank to its lowest water level since the reservoir was filled in the 1960s. Water levels have dropped more than 150 feet since 2000. 
The extraordinary snowfall this year is a good sign, but climatologists say that it would take several years of similar snowfall to erase the impacts of more than 20 years of drought in the West. That story, Colorado River Basin states agreed to pause water releases from Flaming Gorge Reservoir. And next up, Colorado legislature advances red flag law and gun bills out of committee. This posted by Jan Wundra. Three bills aimed at strengthening Colorado's gun laws and reducing gun violence have been heard by Colorado Senate panels and are expected to advance to the Senate floor. They passed on a strict party-line vote before a panel that included Senator Tom Sullivan, whose focus on reducing gun violence stems from the loss of his son in the Aurora Theater shootings. Colorado already has red flag laws, but one of the proposed bills, Senate Bill 23-170, would strengthen the state's Extreme Risk Protection Order, ERPO, also called Red Flag Laws, which were first adopted in 2019. The update would allow district attorneys, educators, and healthcare professionals, especially mental health providers, to be added to those allowed to seek a red flag order from courts. Our red flag law has already saved lives in Colorado, but we can strengthen it so that it can be even more effective, said Sullivan. These common-sense updates will expand and improve our red flag law and create more opportunities for qualified individuals to assess the danger and act appropriately to prevent further violence and ultimately save more lives. Under the current law, which was extremely contentious when it was passed, only law enforcement or a family member can seek the order to remove firearms from a person who is considered a danger to themselves or to others. While many law enforcement officials and conservatives were publicly against the law prior to passage, state statistics have shown that it has been used and it works. But it isn't being used widely across the state. An analysis by Colorado Public Radio in early 2023 revealed that 40 out of 64 counties have never seen an ERPO petition. While the ERPO was used 109 times across the state in its first year, 2019, more than half were issued in populous Denver County. But there were zero ERPOs requested in El Paso County. One factor, say researchers, is differences in how extreme risk is being defined. Senate Bill 23-169 would raise the legal age to purchase a firearm in the state of Colorado to age 21. Under current federal law, individuals must be 21 years old to purchase a handgun, but only 18 years old to purchase long guns. Senate Bill 23-169 would raise the age limit to purchase any firearm to 21 with limited exceptions. The bill is sponsored by Senators Kyle Mullica, Democrat Thornton, and Jesse Danielson, Democrat Wheatridge, 
cleared the Senate State, Veterans, and Military Affairs Committee Wednesday. Gun deaths in Colorado climb higher every year, and a disproportionate number of them are committed by younger Coloradans, said Mullica. As an ER nurse, I've seen firsthand the devastating ways gun violence impacts our communities, which is why I am proud to champion this bill that will reduce gun violence and save lives all across our state. Young people aged 12 to 24 make up one-fifth of the population, but commit just under half of all gun murders, Danielson said. There is an urgent need to do more to prevent gun violence in Colorado, and I am proud to champion this legislation that will do just that. Raising the age to purchase a firearm will keep more deadly weapons away from our youth, reduce youth suicide rates, and make our communities safer. Another bill, Senate Bill 23-168, cleared the Senate State Veterans and Military Affairs Committee today, aimed at holding the gun industry accountable and improving gun violence survivors' access to justice. It would remove Colorado's overly broad immunity protections for gun sellers and manufacturers and allow legitimate lawsuits against the gun industry to move forward. The legislation was sponsored by Senators Sonia Jacquez-Lewis, Democrat Longmont, and Chris Colker, Democrat Centennial. Now, gun sellers and manufacturers enjoy broad protections under federal law from most types of civil lawsuits. Colorado law further financially penalizes the victims of gun violence. It currently includes a punitive provision that makes victims of gun violence who sue the gun industry pay the company's legal fees in cases that are dismissed. That story, Colorado Legislature advances red flag law and gun bills out of committee. Continuing in the news, out of space, Chafee County requests relocation of District Attorney's Office, this by Jan Wundra. A conflict brewing since late December 2022 between two government entities was addressed on Wednesday. The county says that it is out of space in the Chafee County Administration Building at 104 Crestone Avenue and needs the first floor space currently occupied by the District Attorney's Office to house county employees. At times testy, the early morning meeting between the Chafee County Board of County Commissioners, BOCC, county staff, and 11th Judicial District Attorney, Linda Stanley's office, included 25 attendees. It managed to avoid a confrontation that might have ended in the DA's office suing the county. At issue was not just the space, but how each entity viewed their role in the standoff. Landlord, tenant, partner, collaborator, or adversary. We called this meeting with the DA's office to talk about our space constraints here, said BOCC Chair Keith Baker. He went on to explain that while the county had been contemplating an addition to the building since before the pandemic, the delays had nearly doubled the cost. We're not able to proceed with the building, but our space needs didn't go away, he concluded. Our first priority is addressing county needs. 
There were discussions that the county was going to do a full build-out that contemplated space for the DA and the sheriff's office, explained County Attorney Daniel Tom. But then that budget was more than double, and there was no price guarantee of what the final cost would look like. This is about county needs. The sheriff's office was directly impacted, too. Currently, we can't build out the facility. Based on that, we were directed to look internally to meet our internal needs, added Tom. That decision wasn't truly made until we saw if we could expand across underused spaces. In December, I was directed to give notice to the DA to find new space. That gave them two months until the end of February to find new space, and we said the county could assist. But during that time, we got no communications until February 28th, when I received a communication from Linda Stanley that they weren't going to leave and that we should proceed with eviction. I think this meeting is about figuring out a middle ground, said Tom. I don't believe the county wants to go through an eviction process. We need to find a way to meet their needs and for us to find a way to grow. It should go without saying that we're looking for a win-win here, confirmed Baker. We don't want to interfere with the smooth operation of our judicial system. We need to find some sort of equitable solution to uphold our regulatory and statutory duties. I agreed you need to address your county needs. One of those is the need to address prosecuting cases. When Mr. Tom sent me that letter, he did not say where we were going to be going. I never got that, said Stanley. I waited, and in February I asked, where are we going? The statutes say that there has to be office space provided. I'll go, but where are we going? While Stanley agreed that the space doesn't have to be here in the building, she added, we don't want to talk about anybody's sex assault case in a Starbucks. Stanley said that her office needs to be near the courthouse. She reminded the BOCC that the DA has no office in the court building and there is only one jury room, making it a challenge to meet speedy trial deadlines. Not only does her staff regularly meet with victims, but they also need evidence storage and often have large exhibits or video screens. We need to be in a location where we can take those items over to the court, said Stanley, adding, the buildings haven't been added onto for quite some time. It's simply too expensive right now, and we're not going to do it, said Commissioner P.T. Wood bluntly. That's aside from what we're talking about. Let's talk about your office. Chafee County staff confirmed that there is a $10,000 budget line item allocated for moving the DA's office. Stanley asked former Eagle County DA Mark Hurlbert, working with her office, to provide a perspective on moving of district attorney offices. In Eagle and Summit counties, we had to move, said Hurlbert. In Eagle, the sheriff moved into our space. In Summit, it was the sheriff's office. In Clear Creek, we had a 100-year-old house. In Eagle, they built us a building next door. In Summit and Clear Creek, they bought a building across the street. In Summit, they rented a building about a mile away and gave us a room in the courthouse. 
Herbert said that while he was assistant DA in Arapahoe and Douglas counties, the county found them two buildings. But since it was a ways away from the courthouse, they had a room at the courthouse. Adding, when the counties were deciding, they went out and did it. They didn't leave it to the DA's office. There is price negotiations that are to be considered. Tom said, according to Colorado statute, there is only one obligation of a county to the district attorney's office to pay necessary expenses for an office. It does not say reasonable. It does not say close to court. That is nice, but not a requirement. I do believe some counties have assisted the DA's office, but we don't know what you need. Think of saying, "Buy me a car." What kind? I am unaware of what you need and what you want. Stanley responded, saying the statute has been challenged and that reasonable and necessary expenses do include office space. She disagreed that it was her job or her staff's job to find it. She pushed back on the county's stated need for more space, saying case law says that here in Colorado, the county has to find us another space. I understand that, but why does it have to be our space? Can't you find spaces for some of your staff needs? I will say to illustrate the space needs, I've been a commissioner for two months, and I just got an office last week," said Wood. Tom reminded the group that he spent a decade in a district attorney office, and that he knew for a fact that there are available office spaces in Salida and on U.S. 50. He added that the county gave the DA two months' time from December through February, when we could have worked with you to find a space. We could have worked together. We have to come to some agreement on working out the overall budget. There were opportunities there when we would have been happy to help, but there was a standoff of silence when we were waiting for your office to respond. Stanley said the only notice she got was, "You need to get out by this date." You need to run your office and work with other entities to find space," responded Wood. "You can't just blow off this stuff and expect us to do your work." "I didn't at all." He didn't say that we would work together. He just said leave," retorted Stanley. "Bob Christensen is one floor up," shot back Tom. "This isn't anti-law enforcement, anti-district attorney." I cut my teeth as a prosecutor for over a decade, so this is not about not supporting law enforcement. We are directing you to find some space because we serve the county on a daily basis. It's how we go forward from here. We need to know what that looks like. How many offices do you need? Do you need a conference room? How close do you want to be to the court? We could have had that conversation a month ago. Once again, Hurlburt calmed down the room, saying. So we know we need to talk. Baker reminded the room that the District 11 counties procedurally need to communicate their course of action. We do have a duty to inform them of what is going on. Then we negotiate some arrangement with them, whatever the outcome of today's meeting. We have no way of knowing what you need. I met with a real estate agent this morning and came away feeling there is adequate space," said Commissioner Greg Felt. Do you want us to go find a space and you get what you get? Do you want to go find a space that fits your needs? Anything we identify is going to need some modifications. But if I'd received the letter you did, I'd have been calling Daniel Tom on December twenty-ninth. 
The way we're going to resolve this is we're going to put you in new space. Do you want to participate or not? In the end, Stanley agreed for one of her local staff to become the point person for her office and to provide the general parameters for space. She immediately ticked off, we need three offices, there are six to seven people in the office at a time, a secured entrance. The county agreed to work on identifying potential spaces based on that information and with the new county administrator in process, is delaying by a few weeks their designated point person. The county also softened its tone with Felt commenting, We know about the situation at the courthouse. It's reasonable that in future work on the courthouse, we create space there. That story, out of space, Chafee County requests a relocation of district attorney's office. And next up in the news, Salida City Council approves inclusionary housing plan for 505 Oak Street, this posted by Elliot Jackson. At its regular meeting on March 7th, the Salida City Council, SCC, approved Ordinance 2023-04, adopting the state's Plastic Pollution Reduction Act and establishing penalties for violation, as well as Resolutions 2023-11, establishing criteria for donations and memorials on city property, and 2023-12, approving the Subdivision Improvement and Inclusionary Housing Plan for a Planned Unit Development, PUD, at 505 Oak Street. Ordinance 2023-05, establishing procedure for small cell facilities, was continued to May 2nd to give the Planning Commission time for a final review. During public comment at the beginning of the meeting, Sarah Bryan, owner of The Next Eddie Fly Fishing Shop at 129 West 1st Street, urged the SCC to consider putting in signage downtown to show that there are more businesses downtown than on F Street. President's Day sales on F Street broke records, but it was pretty normal for everyone else. The F Street Plaza closure just reinforces that disparity. As you start planning for the summer, she added, some sort of signage needs to be involved to include the other businesses. We're open to any options. We're just asking that the city help us with this challenge. After Mayor Dan Shore read a proclamation for March as Women's History Month, the next item of business was a brief public hearing for a liquor license change of location for the Riveting Experience Jewelry Shop from 121 North F Street to 109 North F Street, Unit B. The motion to approve passed unanimously. Parks and Rec explains memorial procedures. Parks and Recreation Director Diesel Post explained the rationale behind Resolution 2023-11, establishing memorial and donation procedures. We entered a moratorium in April 2022. We had so many memorial benches, we couldn't keep up. It takes staff two full days for memorial benches. We want to establish benchmarks for a menu of memorials. Large memorials would come to the SCC for approval. In answer to a question from Councilmember Mike Pollock about the proposed 10-year sunset on memorials, Post explained, Existing memorials have a 20-year span. New ones will have a 10-year span. 
You have the option to pay the fee again after 10 years, so you can pay to continue or opt out and let other people have the space. We have about 100 memorial benches right now, said Post. Our bench supplier dried up, so we decided to try to standardize. We will have some locations you can choose from, but there are finite sites. There's a lot going on in the county now as we expand our trails. They are running into the same issue. Mayor Pro Tem Justin Cretelli made the motion to approve, which passed unanimously. Consideration of the 505 Oak Street Project. Resolution 2023 12, the approval of a subdivision improvement and inclusionary housing plan for 505 Oak Street, an 18 lot, 44 unit PUD on 2.09 acres at the intersection of highways 50 and 291, also passed unanimously. Senior planner Christy Jefferson, making the presentation, explained that the developer has agreed to include two for sale units and six for rent units, deed restricted, for inclusionary housing. I'm really excited about this, said Shore. I think it's going to bring some market ready apartments to the city. And that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us for the Arc Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303 786 7777.